Hello. Hello. Happy podcast. Happy podcast. We're in Acts chapter 6. You seem like you've had a birthday since the last time we recorded. Do I seem older and wiser? You do. You do. Much wiser. Much wiser. I, I have so much more, res- I not I have more respect for you now than I did <laughs> Thank you. when we recorded this on Tuesday. I was, I was but a child. But now that it's Friday and you're posting this, Sunrise, I have more respect. <laughs> the home of professional podcasting. I'm promoting the River Valley High School play coming up. I'm excited. Fiddler on the Roof is it's a good one. Is a, it's a classic. It's a good stuff. I haven't seen it in several years. The movie's intense. Yeah. Let's, let's talk this about the backdrop facts, of the people's uprising yet to come. And uh, are you going to connect this to what we're doing in Acts? Well, actually, no. But since you mentioned it, as we <laughs> as we see what's going on, there is an upheaval as Tevia realizes that the old ways, the the tradition that that is normal for them, what they expect, tradition. what they see as a good thing, <laughs> and it is a good thing in so many ways. But it, it has to give way to to something else. That's mm-hmm. some, something new that's happening. And so there are, you know, the young folks in the movie also have something. He he begins to question things, right? And one of my favorite things when when he sings the question, "Do you love me?" to, to Golden, and, and it's to me that's a fantastic picture of how we get love wrong these days. Because she's like. Well, I guess Do so. I I've, been, I've been doing all this stuff, right? Sorry, anyway, I'm just going to so, sing tidbits from Fiddler on the Roof. So now, now I'm getting off on, on marriage stuff. But, but as we look at what's happening here, um, the apostles, just as Jesus did in the gospel, are upsetting the apple cart. They're upsetting tradition. They're, they're saying there is something more than just these traditions that you're used to, and it's creating an upheaval. So, wow, you really did it. <laughs> You forced it. You forced it. I'm gonna, that's going to be my goal from now on is just to open the podcast with a really obscure, just random thing yeah. and see if you can. Well, you know, it's really not that hard to do because all of life is interconnected oh because we have one creator that created everything to be a picture of our relationship with him. So whether we're talking about atoms or galaxies, relationships, 90s you know, movies, chocolate, whatever it is, God has, he has built into this an expression, a reflection of himself that reveals truth to us. And so when, when we're able to actually see that as the backdrop, to, to see that, that behind everything that we see around us, all the things that seem so important and seem so real, is the ultimate reality of God, then it doesn't take a whole lot of, of effort for us to connect the reality of God to the realities of life, which is what we're trying to do here. So. That's the that's the slogan. Yeah, so then in Acts chapter, the, it's actually the the remainder of Acts chapter five. I think I told you before the podcast that we were going into Acts chapter six, but you I did. misspoke because there's a, there's a big six on the page where I'm looking, so it threw me off. But as we are, oh well, then I just misspoke too. We're in five still. We are in five. So, if you're following along at home, and picking up where we ended last time, uh, having looked at Ananias and Sapphira, we we kind of saw the culmination of that, the the resolution, so to speak, uh, in chapter five, verses twelve to sixteen, um, and that really is the beginning of this story as we look at it. The apostles. Uh, performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. It's a place there in Jerusalem, uh, not far from the temple or near the temple. <clears throat> Excuse me. No one else dared join them, even even though they were highly regarded by the people. So everybody respected the church, uh, and, and you have that impact. But um, 
even despite the positive impact, despite the, the respect that people were having um, for the church at large, there was a fear factor, which ultimately was the fear of God and recognizing Ananias and Sapphira just you know, dropped dead in this service. Right. And we also know that there's persecution coming, which is what we're going to see in, in today's passage. So nobody, no, if I could clarify it, which I think the rest of the passage does, no posers, no fakers, no halfway people, no casual Christians, no nominal Christians, in other words, Christians in name only, were willing to put everything on the line to come and, and hang out and be a part of the movement. You either were a real believer and it hurt mm -hmm. and you considered it joy because you're part of something that is real or you weren't. You were going to you're going to get away. And uh, you know, I think it's easy if we look at at people at, at Christ followers in um, countries where where they're hostile to the gospel, mm -hmm. where there's actual real um, physical persecution, uh, and not that the persecution we face uh, here in the U.S. isn't real. It's just not the same level. None of us are suffering to the point of blood. Nobody is is or our facing lives death. Being, right. You know, nobody is facing. Few of us are facing losing your job over your faith or relationships and, or whatever. And we're not really facing, um, you know, losing our job because we go to church. We might have to, you know, actually be outspoken about it, which, as we see in the book of Acts, they can't stop being outspoken right. about it because they get it. If we as Christ followers in America actually get it, if we, if we truly grasped the reality of Christ, we couldn't shut up about it. But we have had a Christian culture so that, and, and we recognize that, that this was not a country that was founded to be a Christian nation, but it was still founded on Judeo-Christian principles. The values that we share as a society historically come directly out of that, that reality, that tradition. We, we recognize the Ten Commandments as good, but now we live in a world where we don't necessarily recognize the Ten Commandments as good. We, we don't see, share those values, the things that, that used to be good, we used to see uh, pastors and priests as, as positive influences in society, and people don't generally accept that anymore. You used to see church as a as a good as something that was you know if you if people would, would get those options you you know you, uh, you can reduce your jail time by going to church you can reduce mm -hmm, your jail mm -hmm. time by by connecting with these pastors that's not respected the same way uh, people on probation used to be able to get exceptions to if they were on house arrest they could get exceptions to go to church to to go be a part of this that's harder and harder to get and. And what happens here in Acts 5 is there is such a cost, such a, a, a visible, obvious, perceived cost to being a disciple that only real disciples, only those who actually are willing to give up everything for Christ, are, are willing to, to come stick around and be a part of it. Everybody else sees the cost. It's not worth it to me. I'm not interested. Because Christianity was still, it was the minority it was the, the outsiders, and it isn't for another couple hundred years until in, in the 300s um, that it becomes accepted. It becomes the norm. It continues to grow, uh, but there's, there's no, it's not the state religion. It's actually in opposition to the state religion. Now, uh, as, as this begins to grow here, verse 14 says, Nevertheless, despite all of that, 
more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick out, uh, and ultimately we see them uh, just wanting to be someplace, crowds gathering, bringing people out so that even maybe Peter's shadow might fall on them. They want to be able to be uh, connected with this because of their desperation. So they're um, only those who really are desperate or really have accepted this actually want to be a part of it. But then uh, verse 17, the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, the Sadducees not the Pharisees. They, uh, they were a little more secular in their approach, uh, more, um, more liberal in a lot of their, their thinking. They did not believe in the resurrection or miracles. This, uh, the high priest and all his associates who were members of that party were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. The angel tells them to go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. He doesn't, you know, just turn them loose. Okay, go go someplace else. Right. Logically, wouldn't you think they'd leave Jerusalem and go, One you know, think, escape yeah. this? But Jesus had told them to stay, build build from Jerusalem out, and they end up doing that. Uh, at daybreak in verse twenty-one, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. That the Sanhedrin is the full assembly of the elders of Israel. There's a lot of them. It's a big assembly. Uh, and, and sent to the jail for the apostles. They get there. There's no apostles. Doors are locked. Jailers are there. Nobody's there. No, the, the prisoners are gone. They, uh, they get this report. They're kind of tripping. They send the temple guard uh, out to get them. Verse 25 says... Uh, I'm, the 25 is not what I was looking for. Verse 26, uh, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They went out and found them preaching in the temple courts and uh, brought these apostles back. But they didn't use force because they feared that the people would stone them. So now you've got, these aren't Roman soldiers, this is the temple guard, the Sanhedrin's uh, <laughs> jackbooted thugs, you know, as somebody called them. I don't, I don't know that that's accurate, but, but that's the description that I read. And, and they come, and rather than arresting them and bringing them by force it, it's more of a hey can you come with us would you please come before the sanhedrin because uh, they don't want to get stoned they want right. to cause this riot because the people do respect them and the more the more they do these miraculous powerful things the more people are are, are being converted so they get them before the Sanhedrin. Verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. So he's not shying away from what, they, what they're accusing right. him. <clears throat> God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obeyed him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. And here's where the story really gets good, I think. We're getting used to these miraculous things, but this is an intriguing surprise. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, so they're the minority party in the Sanhedrin, or at least among the high priests. They may not be the minority in the Sanhedrin, but they're here, both parties. The Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men uh, be put outside for a little while. So Gamaliel, a little background, is one of the most respected. He's up there with Hillel as, as one of the great rabbis uh, respected in Jewish history. 
also happens to be the direct mentor of the man we know as the Apostle Paul, who is hmm. Saul of Pharisee, who is uh, climbing the ranks. We'll see him become very prominent in the story in just a, a chapter or two. <clears throat> then he addressed the men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, this guy appeared, and then that guy appeared. And they came up, and they did a thing. And they claimed to be somebody, and it all went away. So his point being, uh, verse 38, Therefore I advise you, in the present case, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you'll not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. And his speech persuaded them. And yet we know that the persecution continues. What, what strikes me as a, an interesting thing, his speech persuaded them in verse 40. So then they called in the apostles and had them flogged. That's the, that's the, the letting them go part. So, yeah. so they give them the 40 lashes minus one. Uh, and then they order them to speak, <coughs> speak in the name of Jesus no longer. Um, obviously that's not going to work. But Gamaliel gets to the point of, hey, listen, if it's from God, you can't stop it. Right. And if it isn't from God, it'll it's stop go itself. Right. God's got this. So there's point. wisdom there. Right. I don't know that we have any evidence that Gamaliel ever converted, but there's a, there's a basic wisdom that right. says God's got, God's got it handled, right? right? And you, you can't stop God. So. That's a good place to stop today. There you go. Uh, so we will talk more about this next week. So be sure to listen to the uh, message on Sunday. We'll have that full uh, sermon up on the podcast. And then we will follow it up with our discussion next week. Excellent. Thank you guys for listening.